All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Wrecked. Um, new location today and a guest with us today with Paul and I. We're at a new coffee shop, Caffeina, on State Street in Boise. Um, we asked for some background music, so they're obliging with that. So, so here we go. They are pumping the positive vibe here. <laughs> this will be a good one. Yeah. Um, speaking of music, um, I'll come back to that. Uh, Deacon Rick, welcome to the first uh, podcast of your life. I think I need to do more than <laughs> shake my head, right? <laughs> they, can't, they can't hear your head shakes. <laughs> so this is... Uh, uh, Deacon Rick, uh, Rick Bonney's a good friend of mine for a long time. Used to we used to work together until um, he got the great pleasure of retiring recently. Lucky dog! Congrats! And um, and now is is living the good life, I guess, of, of retirement. So thanks for for joining us today. We'll get into a little bit about your background and story and those kind of things. Um, so music, as I was driving over here today, coming down the, the road, I was. Um, cruising along i see this this gal at a bus stop purple and pink hair headphones in all by herself on this bench rocking it like full-on drum air drums just going for it and i just i i love that it was like i mean finally the sun's out a little bit she's just in her own world literally just sitting on the bus stop like nice. not a care in the world just ripping on the drums that makes us both wow. smile too. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Does it? something like, about youth, huh? <laughs> well, I don't even know if she was young. She was probably my age or maybe a little younger, but she wasn't a kid. She was, you know, just an adult in her own world, living her life and not a care in the world other than the song she was listening to. It's a good way to roll. Yeah. I totally, like it. Totally is. I know. I wanted to pull up a seat next to her and play the air guitar, get a band going. <laughs> So, good stuff. Well, it's been a while um, since we last came together at the uh, the other spot. Um, so we probably have a lot to catch up with. But before we do, um, maybe Rick, give us a little bit of your background. What what's uh, what's your story? And maybe kind of um, I know you know. Thankful for you to you, know, you were one of Braden's teachers, and we've talked a lot about Braden and Paul's daughter Sarah on on here and. Um, you know, one of the connections, unfortunately, that we have is is the loss of a, of a son. I know yours, you know, you lost yours much later in his life um, in a tragic way. Maybe share a little bit about that story. But also, you know, another thing we've talked a little bit about on this is the ugly C word of cancer. And, you know, and you've, you've been, you know, battling that for a while. You have a you're just, you know, I, I really respect you and the way you handled some of the duff, toughest things in, in life. Um, I've always really respected you. And and anyway, so I'll stop there. Tell us a little bit about you and, and your story. I won't go back real far. Um, probably about 2000, late 2016, early 2017. Those years from then till today been pretty tough. Yeah. Um, lost all our, my wife and I lost our parents in that time period. My son committed suicide. I, I think I want to be blunt and straightforward about that. I was 46 years old at the time. That was four years ago in February. Um, probably the most shocking and hardest day of my life. Um, it was way harder than being told I had cancer and that the cancer was bad. 
And then in that time period from 2017 um, until now, it's been a fight with cancer. The cancer is doing pretty good. Treatment is doing only so-so. But that's part of the way it goes. Um, I, th I think the two things in the last few years that have stuck with me most are my faith. My, my wife and I are, are very Christian, very Catholic. And our faith is something that years ago we bet on, so to speak. We bet on Christ. And we've never deviated from that. Whether, whether we end up being right or not is immaterial to the fact of how we've lived. Yeah. Um, the second thing is, for whatever reason, God gave me the grace to laugh at myself. I, I just, in all the stuff with the cancer and, and all the death in the family and all of the different things that have gone on, it's, it's an ironic sort of black humor of life is funny as hell <laughs> right it's like just when you think you got this thing figured out kicks you in the butt and all you can do is sort of look at it and laugh it off because nobody's going to help you in most cases really they can't fix it right yeah you can't fix anything in my life that's messed up neither can paul or anybody else you can react to me as a human being and give me all this comfort and support you want, which you've done really well at the school with how you let me have time off when I needed it and stuff like that. Mm. But but the lesson, laugh at yourself and trust God. Yeah. God will provide. That's that's what I've learned in the last few years. I think I knew it anyway, but I know it for sure now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I'm similar to you in, in a lot of ways as I, I don't take myself too seriously and can, you know, I have flaws, endless flaws that I, you know, laugh at and try to improve and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, going through the tragedy that you went through with the loss of your son four years ago, certainly that's not something you, you can just, you know, and no. I know you're not saying that laugh off or whatever yeah, and, no. and kind of just, just get by. Um, and you mentioned your your faith and I remember you know we talked a little bit Paul has kind of gone through you know his transformation and and 20 years ago losing his daughter and and then going through a lot of angrier phases and but now you're kind of back in I don't know speak to your your faith and where where you're at because yeah. I'll be honest with you where I am I'm I'm still kind of struggling with that you know I'm still going what the hell why and yeah. don't understand it and struggling with all that right in which i did for years i was so angry and i've told this before to you i sat down when we said the our father at sarah's uh service i sat there and pouted i'll show god i'm not going to stand up and uh yeah. <laughs> join hands with everybody and uh i laugh at that now yeah. and i love what you said and welcome and thanks for that I love that about uh, keeping the humor whether I mean you call it dark and it is in this case because it's hard to laugh about certain things but you speak of faith and I think once you accept that and you said it we're not in charge and what can we do exactly. about worrying about it and when you get to that point if you have no control over it at some point, then why not just laugh about it? 
Right. And uh, you got to be careful because this, you know, you do have to be careful, especially me. And I've talked about this too. My weapon is my mouth. I have to be super careful about what I'm saying so I don't hurt people. Because yeah. I'm I'm funny. Man, I'm funny. <laughs> he is funny. He is funny. <laughs> so you have to read the room. You have to be careful right. because our words are so powerful. And when that's what you opened with, man, that is powerful. And thanks for that. Yeah. So uh, it took me a long time to get there. But I'm convinced that I'm not in charge. I'm not in the driver's seat anymore. And if I can let God, trust God... Uh, then my life goes, my days go smoothly. I don't have to worry about the future and yeah, I can just sure. worry about, uh, like you said, trust God and uh, just get on with it. Let me share what I mean by humor in one case anyway. Yeah. My son's favorite color is yellow. Now, for the first three years after he took his life, it was, it was so tough. I couldn't look at pictures of him. Mm. Um, yellow was sort of a verboten kind of color. My wife and I now watch for yellow cars. Hmm. And, when we, and there's not a lot of yellow cars, which is sort of cool, right? And when we see a yellow car, one or the other of us is say, hi, James. And we get a smile on our face. That's humorous that we can be connected to him by looking for yellow cars. That, that's what I mean by humor. There's, yeah. it's, there's no joke there. There's... Right, but you're smiling instead of yeah, smiling yeah. in his memory yeah. instead of uh, yeah. the uh, the opposite end of that, exactly. which we all have exactly. time for too. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Thank you. Yeah. Now, did he have a yellow car or did he just like yellow? Had a yellow Jeep. <laughs> so he did have a yellow vehicle. Oh, that's good. I have pictures of it. Um, I have his picture on my phone now. I didn't before. It was it was really tough. To accept what had happened. The the only gift in the whole thing was he was in California working, had a good job when when he committed suicide. We had no idea. So there was no, oh my God, we didn't see the signs. We should have reacted, should have called the doctor, should have grabbed him and we had no idea. It was just So not maybe not the normal guilt that you would have if he were here. Correct. Correct. We just there was no indication. In fact, first indication, Mike came into my room and said, you need to go home. Says, and then when I knew it was serious, he says, do you need me to drive you? And I said, no, I should be able to drive home. And then all the way home, it was, I kept thinking, my, my granddaughter's Gabriella, my, my grandson's Brody, and then my son, I kept saying, not Brody, not Gabriella, not James. And I just kept repeating that all the way home. Walked into the kitchen, and my wife told me what James had done. And my world was, it was rocked. Like I said, it was worse than being told you had cancer because cancer, you can do surgery or radiation or chemo or, but you can't fix what he did. Right. And probably the most horrible day of my life. No doubt. Yeah. And you say it took took you several years to get a picture of him on your phone? Yeah, to put the picture on the phone to be able to look at it. Yeah. So was that anger, sadness, or uh, a, a fear? What do you think? A fear to look. I think I wondered about that. Um, w- was never angry at him. Sort of angry that God didn't intervene somehow. Why didn't God come in and just 
take his fiancée and shake her so she understood what was going on and call help, right? She didn't, they had a fight. And, anyway, I won't go into details. Wow. But that was the only anger was God couldn't you have done something. And then a realization is he was mentally ill, did what he did in desperation, and trusted in the fact that God loved him and that's good enough. And and every once in a while we say, have the party ready when B and I get there. So, <laughs> so where are you at now, Rick? I mean, it's been four years. Um, seems like long further um, away from that since we've had COVID in between. It's been, yeah. you know, mm. feels like longer than four years. But I remember... I remember that day um, talking to your wife when I heard and trying to figure out how the best way to kind of get you that information in the right way. And um, but where are you at now? Four years later, what 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 do you still get triggers of emotion? Are you um, kind of at peace? I mean, I don't know if you can even say that. Like, um, and I, I ask that because you know we're yeah. we've talked to a lot of people that are all different places. You know, Paul, twenty years, and me, just you know, inside of a a year still and um, we have a lot of commonalities still even though the distance is different but um, yeah. there, there's still some differences there so I'm curious for you yeah three or four things <clears throat> excuse me first the words gentle acceptance I think we've come to accept what happened where we're at what's going on in our lives in relationship to what we lost with James not being around yeah the other is tears. We still have days where B will say something, I will say something, we'll see something on television, somebody will, and we're both crying, right? And it will just be one of those moments that recalls a memory of us doing something with James or us doing something with the grandkids and James. And, and all of a sudden you're in that tearful mo- moment. It's not a, it's not a black moment but it's certainly not a happy kind of moment. Sure, yeah. But when you look back after you quit crying and you give each other hugs, you sort of look back and it's sort of a grace-filled moment at the same time. It's like, that was a good memory. That was a really good day when we went and stood under the Redwoods in California and looking up into the just fabulous kind of day. Mm, yeah, Grace-filled, so, I like yeah. that. Same here, that kind of stuck with me too. It's like grace-filled moment. Uh, beautiful. Yep. Well said. Good for you. We had a, we had one just a couple recently in the last couple of weeks of those grace filled moments. I feel like we're you know maybe once a week at least having having one of those. But uh, this was actually my I think it was Sunday. Um, wife and I were talking and she said I had had a dream with Braden and and I'm still struggling because I haven't had a dream and it just eat, eats me up. And, uh, and she goes, and I got to hug him. Oh, super. Wow. Oh, man, I lost it. Mm-hmm. I almost lose it now. A little jealous there. I almost. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <laughs> I'm jealous. It, absolutely jealous that for either one of us, like we would, we would give anything for that opportunity, right? I mean, anything. You just, and I think it's that. It's like when you see a picture, what hurt so bad as you you want to be there again with them right but then you add to the the 
that memory of not just seeing them, but feeling them. Sorry. Yeah. That's powerful. So, yeah. How did uh, Amy feel about that? Good question. Did she... Yeah, how did she share that with you? Yeah, kind of the same. I mean, she was uh, <clears throat> feeling it, you know, just kind of uh, wanting to, like you would, like wanting that to be real and also wanting that to be <clears throat> extended, right? Like you didn't, right. it's a dream. Jump it, back it, to it, sleep. It, it goes away and, and you're just like, you're just like grasping it, trying to kind of holding on to it, so... It's pretty, I don't know, it's pretty cool. Sorry. No sorries at this table. That's, uh, yeah, that's good. That, I don't know, dreams are tough. Our yeah. minds are tricky. Yeah. So I think you'll, uh, as I keep saying, more will be revealed. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I like the like the idea or the, the concept you said, grace-filled, because I think that's what it is. It kind of fills you up. Even though you have those, like I am at, having right now, a kind of an yeah. emotional moment, but at the same time, there's some healing in that, and it feels good to have those emotions. I agree. You can go day to day and just kind of zip through the day and feel like, oh, things are things are okay. But then when you you're zapped, like I just was, and unexpected. <laughs> and, but and you have another tool. You're talking about it, right? Yeah. Instead of, in my example, stuffing it away. Yeah. It's not going anywhere. You only stuff it deeper. Yeah. So uh, I admire how you're doing the deal with so little of time between what we're doing here and Raiden's accident. Yeah. Right. And same to you. Well, I, I was thinking about that as we were all diff- talking at different times. Mike's removed from Braden's death by what? About a year now, right? Yeah. A little less. But Le- less than 11 months, yeah. It's yeah. coming up on 11. Four years for me. You, I heard Mike say 20 years for yeah. you. So, yeah. How it's does a big it, it's changed for me over the last four years. It's got much more easy to accept, but it's not any worse. I mean, that's not the right word. It's not any better than it was then. It's just that The level of acceptance, acceptance. yes. Right. How, how does that correspond with you with an even longer time period well that pretty much nails it it is that it's always going to be there you know and once I it's staring me in the face and once I can adjust to look around it instead of looking square at it and focusing on it you know I look around it and I see the beauty in my life still with that one bad phone call, uh, my partner and I, and now our son Jace, through the grace of God, we have a beautiful life. And a lot of people, I don't know, find that surprising, maybe, because sometimes I can be a little too happy. And, uh, you know, why aren't you more wrecked? So... I mean, I kind of struggle with the balance still, but right after, like I was saying, I was so angry, 
I hated everybody. I hated you if you were a parent and you still had a kid. Mm -hmm. I hated the cemetery. I hated God and church. And uh, I hated the highway department. I even hated my own roommate, you know, because we were so different in our grief. And uh, so here I am today, having accepted all that and still with the people that believe in me, love me, and can stay positive with this. And this podcast has been super powerful because, like I just mentioned, instead of stuffing it away, I get to talk about it. And when Mike and I talk about it, and now the three of us, and the ripple effect that comes from that, and all these people that are, you know, chiming in on what I didn't think... I don't know what I thought was going to be this, or what this was going to be, but I certainly wasn't ready for all the welcome response from people, not just about death, but about us living life. So, agreed. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so much more now, it's about living life and not about that death. Right. Agreed. You know, since Paul and I started doing this, you know, and there's some things that we've talked, I mean, every, for me, everything's, you know, it's all brand new and everything, but some of the conversations, even 20 years, I guess it's been 21 years now with Sarah's passing. Is that right? Yeah. Officially as, as of this last spring or this current spring, but a lot of things that have come up, you know, might, maybe were the first time in a long time that Paul talked about it. So I'm curious for you, Rick, like we're, you know, talking really openly and, you know, frankly about your worst day in your, in, in your life, losing your son. Since you found out, how often have you had a chance to just openly talk about it other than probably with your wife and doing, you know, things that you, you expressed earlier? It's still pretty private. Yeah. Um, don't talk a lot about it with other people. Here and there, as it's come up, become appropriate. We were in Idaho Falls last October. We had decided to take a week in Yellowstone Park and just at the right time of year, you know. And we went to our old home in Idaho Falls, and there was this couple there. We just said, hi, we're, we're looking at our house. We bought this house when it was brand new, and, and they came out and talked to us for a while. He was Trinidad, and she was Antonia. And we got talking about our kids, and they had lost their son. And all of a sudden, in my heart, I knew why they lost their son. And I asked, just point blank, he committed suicide about three weeks before that. Oh, my gosh. And we talked for probably 45 minutes about how B and I were feeling and that we would put them on our, our prayer list because we pray, B and I pray together every day. And uh, so we've been praying for um, their son and our son together every day ever since. And that was probably the most we've ever revealed about our feelings about losing James and, and how it felt and so on. We still can't imagine three weeks after that how they felt, yeah. how devastated they had to be. You, but I guess that's what I picked up on. I could see in their faces that 
this wasn't a good thing that he, you know, it's never a good thing when somebody dies in your family, but it was like, this is way not good. Right. And you could tell. Yeah. And then B and I wrote a letter a couple of weeks later and sent it to him. It was convenient because we knew the address because <laughs> that's where we used to live and never got a reply but didn't need one. Just wanted to let him know that we hadn't forgotten that we'd be praying and and uh, and how mutually um, powerful I'm sure that was for them. I hope, and also for you guys to have you know that just again kind of honest dialogue and 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 sharing your pain with each other and being able to kind of express that to someone that gets it and can relate. Because sometimes just doing that, you're all of a sudden no longer feeling alone in, in your grief, and, and that makes a huge difference. That's a good point. Good point. The fact that we pray for them every day just connects us together. Yeah. Whether we're ever communicate together ever again doesn't matter. It's just we're connected. Yeah. So good. I think that's one maybe age advantage. Um, I'm going somewhere with this is is you know because of my my age, you know, almost fifty, and have friends that are older. There's you're surrounded, unfortunately, by a lot of other people that have had loss, maybe similar to you. Um, that you're you you can find more people that, that can relate to you and, and that have had, even if it's not a child that, that's lost, but whether it's a parent, a grandparent, or whatever else. And I say that because I was um, driving up skiing with my daughter a couple weeks weeks ago, and we were, you know, both kind of sharing, talking a little bit about, about Braden and kind of where we were and, and stuff like that. It was a great you know, conversation, but what I kind of realized in that conversation where she was struggling was to be able to talk to friends. I mean, she, she has a therapist and she, she's, you know, that's, you know, her therapist is awesome and, and everything, but in terms of other, her peers, it's very few and far between of finding someone that truly gets it and, and can relate in a way that they can, they can have the conversation that you just mentioned with, with people you don't even know, the kind of conversation that we're having today, that Paul and I have regularly, how important that is. And if, if you don't have those people in your life, it, it adds to the, I don't know, prolongs the, the, the grief journey. I don't know what it does, but it's... Um, so I empathize, I guess, with the younger people, my, my daughters and others, siblings have lost you know, of family members that go through this because it's different for them in how they're processing. Interesting take. Yeah. Very good observation. Yeah, I agree. I'd never thought about that before. I had neither. How age groups, younger people don't have those kind of connections. Yeah. Because most of them haven't experienced it. Yeah. And, you know, and my daughter mentioned even like, you know, this one friend of hers, you know, kind of, wanted to relate or tried to relate because they lost a grandparent, you know, and, and not to weigh the differences, but it's, it's, it's not the same. I mean, it's, I mean, loss is a loss and grief is grief and I don't want to ever, you know, diminish that, but to have someone that has a closer experience with you does make a, a difference in, in trying to identify with each other and where you're at and things like that. And it helps. So, Anyway, it's been on my mind too. Is is 
not that you can do anything about it, but just recognizing there is a there is a difference there. Mm-hmm. Well, you just gave me an insight into my granddaughter. She's going to therapy, has been for two or three years now. And Good for her. But I'd never thought about, she doesn't have any peers that she probably can talk to. Never, I have to mull that one over for a while. That's really important observation. My grandson, who's 24, right, has a significant other. They're pregnant and going to have a kid, and that's pretty cool. And but, but he doesn't need that kind of connection that maybe she does. Right. I never thought about it. So thank you for that observation. Yeah. Yeah. Don't know what to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> Not no sure charge I do them. right now either. But. but there's so much of this. Like, I, I've there's a lot of discoveries or th- you know, things you 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 realize. <laughs> Not that you can do anything about it, and that's that's maybe one of those. It's like uh, so. Yeah. Anyway, I had a, a quote I was gonna throw at you. There's there's a couple, throw it, um, couple different ones, but um, we were we were talking about faith earlier, and you know, and and Rick kind of captured some of this, but here's here's a kind of a cool quote that I thought was was interesting, and it says faith is a footbridge that you don't know will hold you up over the chasm until you're forced to walk onto it. And that's from the Nicholas Walter store from the book Lament for the Sun. Faith is a footbridge that you don't know will hold you up over the chasm until you're forced to walk onto it. And, you know, Rick, you're a man of deep faith, and Paul, you are as well, and it's like one of those things that um, I'm holding on to the, the faith I have even though there's questions that I, I have in the struggle with all this and the anger that I, I'm kind of fighting I guess through all this but um, faith is one of those things that it's important to have because I, as I look and you, you go okay I want to go back to the dream that my wife had it's like I, w- I want to so in so many ways you know be with Braden again and hug him again and all those types of things and if you don't have that faith then what you know where does that leave you you know it just kind of a dead end of like then when you know it what is that future you know opportunity to to be with him again if you don't have that faith where does yours come from Rick you have you have such deep profound faith and you seem to well, when you read that example of faith, I thought of myself with a lasso around my waist with a rope tied on a tree on one of the sides. So if the bridge fell, I'd still... <laughs> <laughs> so you have a safety harness? <laughs> I, I, I pray almost every day, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I don't... I, I, I sometimes sound really sure of my answers. Am I going to heaven? The answer is, I'm convinced I am. Am I positive I am? Well, Lord, I believe, but <laughs> help my unbelief, right? I like is that. Is my son okay? Yeah, Lord, I know he's okay. Um, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And I use it for lots and lots of things. Um, I might steal that one. Uh, my, my, my faith is solid 
and iffy all at the same time. Mm. Um, it comes from my Christian background. It comes from, remember when I did the last cast? Mm-hmm. The, the sort of the last yeah, uh, awesome. thing. And those five things I shared about life. Life is hard. So before you go there, so last cast, okay. just to explain that. So we, last year was Rick's last year teaching. And I um, actually stole this from, from a book called The Last um, Lecture. Correct. Where a professor out of, was it MIT or Carnegie Mellon, was diagnosed with cancer. And, and they have a tradition of giving the last lecture. And so he prepared this lecture. And basically it was kind of a, a last um last lecture basically for his kids and grandkids of kind of what what he wanted to pass on in terms of wisdom life and things like that and so last year being and that something i i would hope to continue you know year in and year out for anybody that's retiring and stuff but having you kind of do the same thing kind of your last lecture um passing on you know your words of wisdom to all the faculty and staff that were in the room it was a really cool thing and you call the last cast because you're cast. fisherman and that's what we have a connection with but so, so anyway, idea. Yeah. want to give a little bit of background on Thank that you. but go ahead yeah um anyway in that in that time talking with the other teachers i shared something that i learned probably 30 years ago from richard Rohr, and basically he said there's five things that women intuitively understand that men spend their whole life learning and when he did that lecture, I was there live at the lecture. It hit me that he was absolutely right. The first one is life is hard. No matter what goes on, life is going to be hard. The second one was you're not that important. We think we are, but we're not that important. What? The third one was life is not about you. The next one was you're not in control. And the last one was you're going to die. And... That hammered me. Probably the most profound thing I had ever heard in my whole life is that set of ideas. Because for that 30 years, approximately, I've mulled those over. Every day they were in my classroom on my board. Yeah, I remember that. parents come in and they go, what's that? Right, you're going to die. But it, it brings a perspective to all of what we're talking about. It brings a perspective to faith brings a perspective to loss it brings a perspective to being ill it just it's it's the quality of life it's who we are we're gonna all be hammered by those five things okay one more time give me the five five um life is hard check you're you're not that important Mm. Your life is not about <laughs> are we, you. Are we going to debate that one? <laughs> yeah, the you first can. one, absolutely. The second one, come oh. on. Now I agree with you on a You're not in control, Joke and you're going that. to die. Uh, you missed one. Are, what was the fourth one? Um, you're not in control. Not in control. Yeah. Those are all biblical. Yeah. He put them in modern terminology, but they're all biblical. Yeah. And they're they're to be respected and trusted, and and it brings perspective to everything. Yeah. At least. For me, no, I think it's great. What do you think, Paul? Agree? I do agree. argue any of those, and uh, I bet you were a good teacher. That's uh, that's something. That's he good was, wisdom on I'm the board. Jump in there. He was a fantastic teacher. Um, Braden had you his freshman year. Yes. And uh, I always ask Braden to, okay, how how are classes going? What are your favorite? You know what's going on and. Rick was always top of his list. That's why um, I hated having your kids as my students because <laughs> I knew you were talking to them. 
<laughs> of course. Yeah. But I sorry, sorry to interrupt, Paul. But, you know, Rick Rick was a phenomenal teacher and uh, kid, uh, very, very well loved. Similar to you. And, you know, Paul was a teacher at Bishop Kelly. I don't oh, know, I we, didn't know we, it, yeah, Bishop sorry. Kelly. That's so cool. What a great place. Room 28. Doesn't exist. Glory days. No, it's not <laughs> well, there anymore. The room does, but not there. So you agree with those five five principles? I do. I like that a lot. And uh, I like a lot of things that he said today. So I, I too, will be robbing some of this wisdom. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Rick, the cancer, how... So you're getting some treatment. Sorry yeah. to switch switch gears on on that, but um, yeah, w- can you shed some light on kind of what 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 your life is like right now and going through that? Yeah, and if you want to share, I mean, won't share a lot, but um, about four or five months ago, the cancer cells began to multiply even more. Um, they measure it by what they call a PSA. Um, my PSA is up to close to 100 now. Um, well, I started, on the scale of what? What is that? Well, you want to be less than four. Okay. So, so I'm somewhere around 25 high. times what it should be. Um, when I was diagnosed, my PSA was nine. They did biopsies and found out that I had prostate cancer. Over time, I did radiation, chemo, basically tamping it down keeping it back it's in my bones it's not going to go away um it's going to be the thing that at the end of those five things you're going to die it's probably the one that's going to do it Uh, and and i'm not saying that in any kind of a sad way i'm not sad about it um i recently started chemo again and my numbers keep going up even with the chemo so the doctor last tuesday basically said not doing any more chemo right now. He said, chemo really hammers your body, but we're not getting any benefit from hammering your body. Um, I have an appointment in University of Medical, University Medical School in Seattle for a consultation. They have some trial chemos they're doing. Maybe I can get into one of those, I don't know. Um, doctors looking at possibility going back to my first chemo that I did adding a chemical to it and doing chemo with that because I responded good to that one. Made me sicker than a dog, remember? I had to take yeah. two months off from school because it made me so sick. But, yeah. but uh, There's no got, better example got, of a got, warrior got, through got, all this, though, yeah. Rick. You've been wow, um, battling this for a, for a long time and have done it with such grace. and. Um, well, you didn't see me last week. <laughs> yeah. But. I, I had one day I was so depressed that I slept for 18 hours. And I partway through, I told B, I said, I'm only sleeping because I'm depressed. And she let me sleep. And next day, I'm back to trying to do stuff, get my yeah. boat ready. and Yeah. Yeah. It just, it is what it is. And you do what you do. Yeah. And you try not to let it keep you down. That's simple as that. Yep. Right? Well, you can't do anything. I don't want to go back to a sore point, but you can't do anything to fix the situation with Brayden. Right. Or your daughter. You can't fix that situation. No. So we do what we have to do. And it is what it is. That's okay. Yeah. Just gets a little more okay with time. I think. You can yes. tell me better than I can. You are correct. 
And what an admirable thing to hear you say going in this fight now uh, and doing it with such a... Mike used the word grace, the upbeat, positive, trusting, hopeful, all those things that we hope to scatter from uh, these microphones. Yeah. Remember, and you I mentioned the, that. Still have the rope around me right? tied to a tree. Yes. <laughs> As do I. Um, and you mentioned the power of prayer, and I agree with that power, and I need the practice. So you're now on my loop. So thank you. You're welcome, and thank you for coming out and doing this. You're welcome. I have learned thank a lot. Thank you for asking. So Rick, we may not get you on another podcast anytime soon because you're kind of hard to schedule, surprisingly, for a retired guy. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned last cast. Remember? You mentioned the five things, which are, I think, good kind of life principles to reconcile with right and I think I think that was great but you've lived a, a great life and are still living it and um, have years of wisdom and experience and um, what would you I mean this is going to be recorded and maybe recorded for a long long time that a lot of people will listen <laughs> wow. to right so I would put you on the spot a little bit what are what are some things that you would want to share out there with whoever's listening in an open, you know, open box. You can, you know, in, in whatever direction, what, what would you want to say out there to the world to maybe leave your legacy out there for years and years to, to come? Man, that's huge pressure. You know, actually, He's right been preparing now, for this okay. all it his life. It feels easy because I'm going to tell you what I tell my kids every year. Trust God. God will provide what you need. Not necessarily what you think you need, but what you need. Love God with everything you have. Love your neighbor as best you can as you love yourself. That's it. That's what it means to be Christian. That's what it means to be faithful. Now, I didn't say any of that was easy. I just said, that's it. Trust God. God will provide. Love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. The rest of it, is the five things <laughs> it's going to hammer you in the face and try to distract you from those things I think that's it well well said yes amen to that well you know what the most quoted thing in the bible is right yeah God liked baseball in the beginning <laughs> in the beginning <laughs> nice be no, not I, afraid I don't, I don't. be oh, that's right. not I, afraid I heard that once 365 times in the bible and you just, maybe you read the Bible so many times that that's what resonated and that's why you just said what you just said. Yeah, I guess so. So, yeah. nice, nicely Don't done. Don't be afraid. Um, I was actually kind of looking for some of your favorite fishing spots is what I was hoping you would leave behind. CJ um, Strike. <laughs> Henry's Lake. Hey, Lake hey, hey, whoa, whoa. He don't be, th- don't be talking about Henry's Lake. I didn't tell People you are what listening. Pa- I didn't tell you what part. <laughs> CJ Strike, Henry's Lake, keep going. Um, Hebgen. Oh, again, and, don't and, be hot spotting these. And Yellowstone, Lake Yellowstone. I've never fished at Yellowstone Lake. It, um, yeah. Yeah, I those want are, to do that. Those are favorites. I go out to Lowell a lot because it's easy to get to. And, yeah. 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 
And uh, Alaska trips. You've been to Alaska many, many times yep. in your life. Yep. And uh, when was the last time? A couple years ago? Two years ago, I pretty much at that point realized that physically I can't do it anymore. That was probably my last trip. Yeah. Um, but I've been thinking, well, maybe next year I'll be good enough <laughs> to go again. So, um, well, maybe I'll have some time next next fall since I'm hey, in job transition. I can right. I can go with you. I can right. clean your fish for you or something. Yeah. Take care of you. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of the connections Rick and place. Braden had is is the fishing and just outdoors I, in general. But. I still have those pictures of some of his first big fish. That brown trout he caught. Yeah. I still have that picture. Yeah. Yeah, it's in a folder. Yeah. Was under the glass on my desk on oh. my table and Yeah. So good. He, re- he loved you. So cool. Thank you. Yeah. Loved him. He's a good kid. Well, He's Rick, a good kid. He is, absolutely, and and he appreciated you. So Rick, thank you for You're joining welcome. us and congratulations on your first ever podcast. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you made it through and uh, and I don't know, kind of a cool place this Caffeina, other than maybe the background music. We'll see how that how that turns out. But uh, we made it made it work. So all right. Paul, as always a pleasure. Always. Thank Thanks, you, Paul. Mike. Thanks, Peace. Mike. Peace. All right. Peace everyone. Mm-hmm.